This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Hey, c'est condition ça qui t'est passé. Just One Night Stand. Avant toute bagaille t'est commencé. One Night Stand. Pas pensé que c'est ton stand. This is One Night Stand. Presented by First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. What up, Night Nation? We have a lot to cover on today's show, but first, we want to talk about something that's much more important than football. We'd like to take a moment to reflect on the life of Otis Anderson Jr., who tragically passed away last week. Otis was a three-star, all-purpose back from Jacksonville. He was actually the earliest commit from the class of 2017, Scott Frost's second recruiting class, and he committed almost a year earlier than signing day in March 2016. He made sure to graduate high school later that year so he could come to UCF in the spring. He almost immediately made an impact, saw touches in almost every game his freshman year, and he finished his career with 26 total touchdowns at UCF, eighth all-time, and was signed by the LA Rams. But more importantly, he left behind a legacy that would last forever. His smile could be always seen from anywhere. His energy was contagious. And the outpour of support from him has been incredible uh, over the last week or so. And it really speaks volumes about who he was as a person. He touched so many people, his fraternity brothers, his football brothers, the athletic staff, the coaches, obviously, too, which, by the way, if you haven't already, go listen to Josh Heupel's eulogy. And, of course, the fans, too. Otis was a fan favorite for many reasons. Before, Even before all this happened, I know you'd always hear so many stories of him, things like him going out of his way to talk to fans, and just really engaging with people, whether it was on social media or even on the road at away games. And he never complained when times were tough. A few days before the road game at Cincinnati in 2019, I asked him if he could uh, come up to me and give the girl I was I brought uh, his gloves after the game because I really liked her. And he said, yeah, just yell at me, you know, after the game. Well, as you guys remember, we lost, and it was pretty depressing. That game knocked us out of the conference championship, and since he wasn't really good, that good at the time, so... I was kind of sitting there moping after the game, and I completely forgot about Otis and the gloves. But he remembered he came up to me and gave them to her. It was really awesome. And that's just the kind of guy he was, just, you know, the nicest, best kid you could ask for on and off the field. When I broke up with her, that was the one thing I asked for back was the gloves. His love for the game, his teammates, his coaches, his school, and the fans was obvious. But his love for his family was unmatched, and that's what makes this even more difficult. So to his family, D, we're all thinking of you. He was number two on the field, but will be number one in our hearts forever. Rest in paradise, Otis. Wow, that was really nice, uh, Sean. It, it's it's tough for me to, to follow that one. But, you know, I know that you're a lot more involved with the team and the players personally than I am. Um, But Otis Anderson was one of the players that actually did have um, the opportunity to meet and talk to for a while. And um, I mean, 
you can't say enough about the kid. He he truly cared about his teammates, his brothers, and he really cared about the fans. And it wasn't just, you know, his play on the field, but even, you know, just going out of his way, like that story that you shared uh, about the gloves really shows of what kind of person he was. And um, he'll truly be missed. Yeah, it's it's tough. He he will be missed, and he'll he'll be remembered forever by Night Nation, though. And you know, like I said before, um, that's just who he was. We are gonna go through our Fab Five uh, Otis Anderson moments later in the show, uh, but first, the rest of the show, we're gonna talk about the huge Gasparillable matchup versus the Gators. We have the college football playoff finally set. Cincinnati cracks the top four, breaks through the glass ceiling. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet gets ratioed in the process. We've got more coaching carousel news. And as always, Money Moves Picks, Moves Mailbag. Speaking of, I'm here with... Money Moo UCF is going bowling in Tampa. And the opponent is a dream matchup with the Florida Gators. Tickets are selling fast, and the keyboard warriors are hard at work on Twitter. The Gators opened as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Some would say that's not enough. Some would say it's way too much. We'll have to decide it on the field as the battle of Gus Barilla goes down December 23rd. Gus Barilla. I love that. I keep seeing it, but I keep forgetting to say it. Dude, dream matchup. I can't believe this is actually happening. It stinks that we're kind of in a rebuilding year, but it's going to be awesome regardless. I think it's going to be fun for either side, even if they get blown out. I mean, obviously the aftermath would stink, but a sold-out Raymond James Stadium, which is funny because it's something USF could never do, um, you know, between these two fan bases, it's it's going to be awesome. I think we sold out our allotment faster than the Peach Bowl, I'm pretty sure. Um I heard the Gators did too. They're opening up 300 level. I, I can't wait. And I think we have we have a decent advantage being there's no coaching transition. I mean, they got their new coach, Billy Napier, but I don't know if you saw on Twitter this morning, Moo, like two big commits decommitted this morning. A, a bunch of other people did too. So I know yeah, I his... I thought I saw a lot more than two. It just this... like every... I saw two this morning. There was a bunch overall. There might have been more today. I mean, I haven't haven't been on Twitter but that much. But, you know, Billy Napier is coming in there. He doesn't give a shit about the Gasparilla Bowl. And I'm not making excuses for them, but let's be real. Like, he needs to come in and recruit and try and save this recruiting class. He didn't care about the game. So that's going to give us a huge advantage. We will not let them use that as an excuse when they lose. Um, and they're still a really good football team. So... I'm not trying to say like they're not going to take us seriously or play as hard or anything, but I just think the head coach is this is probably on the bottom of his uh his priorities list. How are your feelings about the overall matchup though? Well, for one, I'm super excited. I mean, we've talked about this as an outside shot uh for probably the second half of the year. Mm-hmm. I think we had our eyes on a different game earlier in the season, but you know, for this to finally come to fruition, it's it's pretty crazy. Now, good and bad is that 
earlier this year, we did announce that we were going to have, you know, a series starting in 2023. So I think, think that having this game before maybe takes, you know, a little bit of the patience or uh, eases everybody's patience, you know, for that 2023 game. However, we're probably going to be in a lot better situation. 2024, uh, both, but yeah. 2024, probably going to be in a lot better situation, both of these schools in the 24 game. But, you know, it, it's still a huge in-state, and it will be a rivalry. I mean, we've played them before, kind of not really in a competitive state. <laughs> We haven't played. We haven't played them since we were both knights, though, I, which I didn't realize. I thought maybe we played them in '08. That game was actually '06, where we got blown yeah. out. So the only really big game that we played against the Gators was in basketball. I think it was like 2010 or 11 when yeah. we did play them, and I remember that was a huge deal back then. Yep. So you know, it all just is all just depends. I mean the. Like you said, the get the bowl's going to be probably more than likely a sellout. Um, I know that there's a ton of Gator fans all over Florida. So how motivated are they as kind of like a crumbling, you know, barely six and six season when we've won five of our last six? You know, that there's been better times of not coming off of just having your quarterback transfer, but I think everyone's excited around the program and we have time to get healthy too. Look, our last game was almost two weeks ago. Yep. Bowser so will be back. All of these, all of these little injuries, you know, barring major injuries, the, the little injuries, you know, we're, we got a chance to get healthy. So I think it's going to be a great game. Like I said, the line opened at six and a half. I had tweeted something out a week prior saying that my line was showing that it should be 12 and a half. So I didn't think they gave us enough points, but that spread is slowly starting to creep up. So it's, it's up to eight and a half now. So if you're looking to bet on UCF, which it's not an official pick for me, but I'm probably going to throw something on it. We have to. Uh, I would definitely wait until you know it might get to nine it might get to nine and a half who knows so hoping for 10 that nice key number but we'll see (laughs) that's gonna be hard because we haven't seen you know middle tier bowl with a team that's only six and six they almost beat alabama though they have a decent number of seniors people are already decommitting who is going to be opting out as a senior of the draft i'm already hearing from some sources that uh, Gator running back Damian Pierce is already considering opting out. Somehow not their leading rusher. It's Emory Jones quarterback. <laughs> That's going <laughs> to be their um, quarterback, right? Isn't AR having like meniscus surgery or something? Possibly. Yeah. Please get surgery. But then Emory was like thinking of transfer. Like the whole team is thinking about transferring. Good. Get him out. Get him out. Slash decommitting. You know, Greg Knox, the running back special teams coordinator who took over the interim head coaching job, you know, did a good enough job to beat Florida State, but I don't know if that's saying much. So is he, does he coach the bowl game or is it Napier? I think it's still going to be Greg Knox. That would make more sense. Like, let, let him recruit 
Yeah, you might as well have a coach that's like within the system. Keep it, you know, for continuity purposes. But yeah, this is, you know, it, despite the circumstances regarding us, right, with where we are, couldn't have asked for better circumstances for the Gators. Um, so I think it's fair on both sides. You know, we both have what one might say are kind of built-in excuses, but it's true. Um, but it'll still be fun to beat them and talk crap for the next three years. And the game's going to be electric regardless, so uh, I can't wait. Did you have anything else to add? Probably most anticipated Gasparilla Bowl ever. You know, and this is a... T- <laughs> well, there's only been this three. Is a bowl- <laughs> this is a bowl, you know, it used to be the St. Pete Bowl that we've been in. This will be now the fourth time that we've been in a Tampa Bowl, which is nice. I mean, I, it's the fifth, dude, dude. You know, oh, fifth. Well, yeah, you know, stupid Birmingham Bowl or something like. Yeah, probably a lot of our fans would travel, but not as many that are going to be at this at this Tampa Bowl. No, definitely. And it's fun, you know. I, I unfortunately the two that I've been to, we both lost when we played Rutgers. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't that means don't go. <laughs> when we played Rutgers in two thousand nine. That was Muhammad Sanu uh, taking it to the house a couple times on us. And then um, NC State. In 2014, NC State, Jacoby Brissett put on a clinic. We were a lot closer in that game, though. We only lost by seven. Damn, the UCF effect. If you play us in the Tampa slash St. Pete Bowl game, you'll have a decent NFL career. (laughs) More than likely. Well, I don't know who the. Well, no, the game, the one that I didn't go to was the Beefo Brady's Bowl, which was against Ball State, where we won. And then the Gasparilla Bowl in 2019 against Marshall, which I also did not attend, and we won. So, the two, 2014 was the Bitcoin Bowl, the Bitcoin Gasparilla Bowl, I think. Right? It couldn't have been the 09. Oh, yeah. It was the Bitcoin St. Petersburg Bowl. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, I don't remember what the sponsor was back in 09. Somebody's got to remember. I think it's just St. Pete. I think it's just St. I don't know if they had a sponsor because I think I have something that has the logo. Oh, all right. So I have something that has the logo with like the two bridges, uh, the Golden or not the Golden Gate, the Skyway Bridge. But in the corner of the logo on their website here is the Beefo Brady's. So it was presented by Beefo Brady's. They weren't the Beefo Brady's Bowl. You got to pay more money for that. Um, actually, well, I don't think you could like name the bulls back. Anyway, so this is our fifth time, and it's gonna be awesome. Can't even say get I your ticket. Yeah, the mood. I don't believe in that crap. I just like giving you giving you shit yeah. for it. Like, the, yeah, I'll, get your tickets. I know that they had to increase the allotment a little bit, but I I don't know why that a, a bunch of people they had tickets available before the teams even announced, but they were only available on what ended up being the Florida side. So. A lot of people are on like now. There's some 300 level. There's some 300 levels uh, available on our side. Last I saw, like well, yeah. Now I'm saying before they even announced the teams, you could go on and buy tickets, and they only had tickets on the UF side. You didn't know it was going to be the UF side, right? Well, I think a lot of people are trying to exchange their tickets now and get rid of the ones on the Florida side. Some of the Florida people, but yeah, no. Who wants to go? I, I asked my my parents don't even want to go and they go to every like every game. What? Bad parents. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, it's too close to Christmas. Like, so what? Should drive back the next day. <laughs> uh, 
Well, whatever. That anyway. just shows you how motivated the fans are, though, for this game. Yeah, they're pretty. Is that if pretty if die they hard don't too? Go like they went. I think they only missed two home games, and they also went to USF. Like they already saw them in Tampa this year. Mm. Those are. I don't know. Tampa. So that's Florida. the other thing. That's the other thing I wanted to talk about is common opponents for the Gators. So they played FAU. And I think they, I think it was thirty-five seventeen. It's like they played FAU and then they played USF. Like, if we don't score as many points as FAU scored on them, what seventeen? Like, what, what do you, what do we make of that? Well, I mean, considering we scored seventeen versus USF and fourteen versus Tulane, I mean, I would not be surprised at all. But I think we can score thirty-five. I think this has a chance to be, I mean, I think we're going to put it on him. We're going to pull out all the tricks. You know, Gus, I know how much you love his trickery, but not just trickery, but I just think he's going to dump the whole bag out, you know what I'm saying, to to win this game. It's going to mean so much to our program. It's really going to give us the momentum we need going into next season. It's going to be huge for recruiting, let's be real. Uh, It's a must-win or at least it's a must-be-competitive game. You know, you can't control everything. And if Florida decides to be the team that almost beat Alabama and, you know, kind of puts it on us, there's not much we could do. Uh, I don't – I'd like to think that won't happen, but, you know. I think the defense is going to step up big again. Look, Florida's defense is terrible. They gave up 52 to Stanford. But how is that the same team that almost beat Alabama that only gave up 29? Like that's, I mean, that's football's crazy. Hey, it is crazy. I think we're definitely going to have a more of a home field advantage, but just looking at the, you know, our previous games, dude, we're not the only time we scored over 35 with Keene was against Temple and UConn. And that's basically FCS schools. Yeah. All of our other games have been 24, 14, I know. 17, anything, 20. Anything can happen. Anything like can happen. 24-20 is my prediction right now. I think we win 24-20. Fair enough. I'm, I'm going to save my prediction for later because I don't know what it's going to be. But, you know, saying, you know, Samford scored 55, Alabama 29 just goes to show you that sometimes it just got to be settled on the field and football can be unpredictable. So speaking of that, I want to get to the college football playoff has been set. Uh, Cincy won the American Conference Championship versus Houston pretty easily. Bama with the big upset of Georgia. Michigan beat Iowa. So the final rankings, one, Bama, two, Michigan, three, Georgia, and four, <laughs> Cincinnati. So we've got Michigan versus Georgia in the... Orange Bowl, yeah, and Alabama versus Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl, both on New Year's Eve. Last I checked, Alabama was a 14.5-point favorite. I think Michigan was an 8-point underdog against Georgia. I kind of like Michigan straight up. Um, but Yep, I do too. Uh, but anyway, my whole point of getting to this was that Kirk Herbstreet tweeted yesterday, After seven years of bitching and complaining from a vocal minority that the college football playoff system is rigged and the quote-unquote small guy will never get a chance, never get a chance in all caps, haven't heard much from you the last couple days. Everything okay? 
What's the next conspiracy theory? Double question mark. Can't wait, because that one is history. And boy, oh boy, has he gotten roasted. Um, <laughs> roasted, toasted. So he's got 3,100 replies to a tweet that only got 479 retweets. <laughs> and also on top of that, another 2,100 quote tweets. Um, just to summarize, because I responded to him three times, which might have been excessive, but it kept popping up on my timeline and I kept having more and more thoughts. You know, it only took four undefeated regular seasons. I never said it was rigged, just unfair. You have to get lucky without a conference scheduling. I mean, you have to. they scheduled Notre Dame five years ago, and they had to be undefeated besides their only loss being Cincinnati. Like, you can't plan that. And everyone else had to lose. And Clemson had to be bad. And Ohio State had to have two losses. That's the only way they got in. I mean, let's be real. So... Anyway, that's uh, then yeah, his... unbelievably horrible take, dude. He got the dude's dr- a straight flip flopper though. If you really pay attention to what he says, like he was so against any group of five team getting in there, and then all of a sudden Cincinnati, like he's saying all of the things that we did, yeah, in seventeen and eighteen, except for beating oh beating Notre Dame. But the thing is, is that we actually beat Auburn. We yeah. did. Yeah. And then we won another, you know, twelve in a row. Yep, thirteen in a row. And we weren't and we even still close. Make it in. We weren't Not even close. close. The the reason, the whole reason that since he got in, yes, Notre Dame helped, and they needed that. But they had a sh- a chance from the beginning by being ranked like number seven in the AP preseason poll. After our first undefeated season, I think we were ranked like twenty first. That's after beating Auburn, or maybe it was seventeen. I'm getting confused, but either way. It was not as high as it should have been. We were looked at as a fluke season, even with the win versus Auburn. Then we ran the table again, and I think we still started at, I think, number 10 the next year or something like that. But since he started at 8, so they had a, they had a fighting chance. And then the thing with Notre Dame worked out perfect. If Notre Dame loses another game, and then any one of those one-loss teams doesn't lose, I mean, everyone had to really beat up on each other for since he'd even have this chance, so... I think they would have put a one-loss Notre Dame ahead of Cincy if their one loss wasn't Cincy. You know what I mean? Like, if Notre Dame had lost to another top 15 team and well, not Cincinnati... Well, but then who did Cincinnati... Then it depends on who was Cincinnati's key win. I agree. Right. Which is dumb because... Well, if, if Cincinnati had another P5 school... Let's say Louisville. You know, they had in they had the two P five schools that they thought were, you know, when they scheduled six, seven, ten years ago. Oh yeah. Notre Dame probably gets in ahead. They of told them. us they told us that's how you get in. You gotta schedule the good teams, blah blah blah. Well, then they're not good when you actually play them. That Indiana game was supposed to be like a top twenty matchup. Yeah, and then they started off like 0 and three or one and two. They're three and nine. <laughs> and they were good last year. They finished the season so like, ranked. If, since, if you replace that Notre Dame game for Cincy with Louisville, same score and all. Oh, yeah. Not no even close. Not even close. Not even close. Um, but, yeah, that's that's just it. And I think Kirby's been playing into this all year because he knew since he actually had a chance. So he's been saying, oh, yeah, see, we told you. You just got to do all this stuff. <laughs> all right. And then once Corso, like, 
I don't know why. He was always a big UCF fan, but then this year he's been hating on Cincy, saying that they don't belong, they don't belong. I mean, dude, these guys And get... it's like he has to be the yin to the yang. Of He has to go against whatever Corso says. Yeah, probably. I mean, dude, you got to remember, this is just a show at the end of the day. Uh, and they're getting everyone talking about college game day, free advertising. I can guarantee you we're not the only podcast talking about this right now. Um, <laughs> all right. A uh, little coaching carousel update. So last time we talked to you, really the only thing that had happened was Lincoln Riley to USC. Since then, Brian Kelly takes the LSU job. Did you see that video of him speaking at the basketball game where he just like had a very thick country accent? Yeah, that was so <laughs> fake. That was so hilarious. But then, dude, the f- he's the biggest sellout ever. Oh, for sure. But his daughter is still in. No- he left his daughter still at Notre Dame. I with mean, like a semester or a year left. Dude, for 120 mil, my parents could leave me in the middle of I don't know Alaska. Who cares? It's not like he was poor before. He already had a big contract in Notre. Dame. This was like double though, and I think he thinks he hit a ceiling there. Dude, which- the difference between like. Four million and six million, or four million and eight million, really isn't that much. I mean, does it really change your lifestyle? Are you going to go from a four thousand square foot house to a six? No, but it's going to change my damn inheritance if I'm her. So if anything, I'm like, yeah, get out of here. And plus, <laughs> having your dad at college probably sucks if you think about it, especially if you're a girl. Well, yeah, I guess you. So you know, inheritance, dad moves away, probably a good thing. Uh, no, I get what you're saying though. Um, but what's funny well, she is she probably would have never went there if it wasn't for him, you know? Yeah, that's true. But she's almost done. So whatever. Um, so then a couple of other things, Mario Cristobal from Oregon takes the Miami job, which another funny meme was him in his press conference was speaking Spanish to a reporter. And someone was like, this would be Brian Kelly if he took the Miami job. <laughs> <laughs> I did not hear yeah. that. That is freaking hilarious. <laughs> uh, just too perfect, man. It was uh I think Levitard tweeted it actually. Just just gold. Um and then a couple other relevant things. So Brent Venables, the longtime defensive coordinator at Clemson, took the Oklahoma job, and Lebby took the mm. offensive coordinator job at Oklahoma. So he left Old Miss and Lane Kiffin. He's getting paid over $2 million a year, which I think is more than Gus makes right now. More than most college coaches, besides like maybe yeah. the top 15. So good for so Levy. Jeff Levy is going to Oklahoma, huh? So where does DG go now? I mean, that's a pretty good question. Um, it ain't Ole Miss, and it's probably not Oklahoma with the other guy there. Are you allowed to like come back to UCF? You can. You can exit the transfer portal. I think Quadri Jones did that. Oh yeah, he did. Well no, he actually he like legitimately transferred somewhere and then transferred back. I think it was like Alabama State or something. I think he said he was going there and then he went there for a day and was like, Oh crap, like this sucks <laughs> and then came back. I think. But hmm. uh Interesting. So, if he did that, do we even take him back? Can you take? Hell no. Can Can you Can you say no? I guess no, you can. I mean, I'm a pretty pretty forgiving person, but I don't think it happens anyway. Nah, that's it, brother. See you later. I don't think Tommy, you. W- 
Tommy Castellanos is on Twitter right now recruiting people. Yep. Trying to get trying to get everybody to come. To yeah. All, all the people that are dropping uh or decommitting, which I mean, this is this is to be expected. You know, when guys commit to these big programs with big coaches like that, they don't think for a second that these guys are gonna leave. It, this is unheard of. It's unprecedented. The amount of coaches leaving really good jobs in really good situations where they've had success for just these mega contracts at LSU, Miami, and USC, but that changes everything for the recruits. You combine that with the free transfer rule, it's going to be like this every offseason, and we're going to be the victims of it too, hopefully. Yeah. You know. That's the thing that sucks. Like, you should have a thing where you can only transfer like once. Uh, but then they'll probably come up with some loophole. Uh, I mean, dude, think of it. I always compare it to coaches. Like, there's no, there's no limits on coaches moving around. And like, people were saying, oh, it's so messed up how Miami treated Manny Diaz because I mean, he was pretty much gone. They were just trying to lock down Cristobal. But it's like, dude, Manny Diaz was the head coach at Temple for two weeks, and then he just quit <laughs> to take the Miami job. So like, yeah, this this it's it's so cutthroat. It's so ruthless. But like, I don't feel bad for these guys. Especially because they're making millions. So, like, if a player wants to transfer twice, they can. Maybe, you know, sit out the second year. But at the end of the day, I don't know. I think there'll be some – there'll be an increase in transfers. But I think I said this last last episode is that, like, dude, having to learn – first off, I don't like moving. No, no one <laughs> yeah. would like moving. Second, like, you probably have all your friends at, you know, some other school. Or there's someone at least you might know. And then you're moving to a different school, just like moving all of your crap. New coach, new offense, like it, or new defense. It's, that, a, it's gonna a, be terrible. It's dude. a risk. I think. I mean, a lot of people do it for a lot of reasons, but like, if you know that you're really just not getting a fair shot, and you know that you're not hitting your potential because of your situation, then I get it. But a lot of people are probably just going because they're not good enough, which is fine. If you want to play college football. You know, go to somewhere where you think you can play. So everyone's got their own reasons, but I agree. I think us being like a just such a great destination, UCF, bright new campus, great coaches, great city, uh, we're not going to be as affected, as affected by this as much because we have so much more to offer than a lot of these college towns yeah. do. So, um, anyway, so that's – yeah, that's all that. What are we – picks? Let's go with the picks. All right. Now it's time for our favorite segment, Money Moves Picks of the Week. Hasn't been everyone else's favorite segment this year, though, as I've gone now 13, 20, and 1 on the year. Fade the One moon. of my worst years ever. This is coming down to the end of season four now here on One Night Stand. And um, went all the way back to the season one that I've been picking games. So my total now for all four seasons combined is 89, 85, and two. It's 51.1%. So the last year uh, was really tough on me. So I good news is, though, is that every year I've alternated winning and losing records. So next year, I should be uh, He's reverting back to the mean. Overdue. Overmoo. <laughs> so, going over last week's picks, championship weekend, we had two winners. is Pitt minus three pretty easily, and Alabama plus six and a half. 
Those are my two winners. The losers were Iowa. Wasn't even close. Houston had the ball at the end with a chance, and obviously Oklahoma State played their worst game I think they've played in the last decade. Uh, Spencer Sanders, four picks in one game. Never had another game when he had more than two. Uh, They still had a chance at the end, but I think Oklahoma State, too, if they – I don't know if they would have gotten in over Cincy if they would have just – won at the very end, but if they would have won against Baylor convincingly, I think that would have also put them in uh I agree. Cincinnati. I agree. We'll never know though. So Yeah. So anyway, not gonna pick every single bowl game. It's just too much. Plus we probably aren't gonna bet every single one, but I'll give you a couple of best bets. There's there's two and they're actually both in the AAC. First one's gonna be East Carolina plus three against Boston College. Look, East Carolina hasn't been in a bowl game since 2014. So they're pumped. Plus they're getting points. And, you know, 7-5, and five, Holton Naylor's, he did pretty well for, I think he's a junior now. But anyway, East Carolina, Boston College, we're not sure if there's any other uh, opt-outs or Phil, I forgot his last name. It's like Jerkovich or something. Pretty good quarterback, but might not play. So take East Carolina on the field goal. Ehlers is coming back. He's a senior. He's coming back for his free COVID year. Actually, he just announced. Nice. So, but yeah, I think I think ECU free. I like that pick a lot. Other one we're going to go with is San Diego State plus two and a half against UTSA. UTSA had their undefeated season crippled by a crushing loss in North Texas. They still ended up winning Conference USA. Um, but, you know, to be in a crappy bowl against San Diego State, not really what they wanted to get. San Diego State, clearly the better team here. Um, they did lose in their championship game to Utah State, but I think, you know, having a decent team to go against University of Texas, San Antonio, Plus, being being an underdog, San Diego State, I like the way they came back against Boise State a few weeks ago. So take the Aztecs plus two and a half. So those are your two picks? Oh, I said two. I actually have three. Oh, bonus pick. Bonus pick. Third one, we won with them once this year. We're going to do it again. We're going to take Hawaii plus where to go. Shit. Undo. Undo. There it is. Six and a half. Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh, six and a half? That's what I'm seeing it as. I only see four. I'm on the betting site right now. Oh, all right. We'll take six and a half. <laughs> Wait, Hawaii. that's more, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hawaii plus six and a half against Memphis. Look, Memphis been a real kind of up and down team all year. Quarterback play has been good when he's healthy, but other than that, you know, Memphis left me with a bad taste in my mouth, and they played Tulsa, and I watched half the game, and they just couldn't move the ball. Hawaii, though, I really like their style of play, plus the Hawaii Bowl, so a de facto home game for them. And Memphis is just there to party. So take Hawaii plus six and a half. Let's Let's get get that that money. money. Um, real quick, something to note. Um, there is a, a kind of Orlando bull pick'em 
I think it's like $25. You pick all the games, rank them in confidence. Um, going on, you can uh, look for Casey Gillespie on Twitter. I'm going to tweet something out too. I'll, I'll have it up there if you want to look for that. For information, he does it every year. There's a pretty decent uh, size pool. He does a uh, he does a pick'em pool too, Survivor NFL. That, as you all, I'm sure, care about greatly. I'm in the final seven and stuck with a bunch of crap. I was going to ask from. you the other day if there's anybody left. Yeah, we everyone won. No, there was like eight people. One person lost. So we're all on to this week, and everyone's going to be picking. I think Chargers because there's like no other games, or everyone you has all have one strike. Everyone has one strike, yeah. But don't tell anyone. I'm actually picking the Titans on the road against the Jaguars because I can use the Chargers two days from now or two weeks from now if I'm still alive in a week where there's really no one. So maybe I'll cut that out in case anyone listens. Uh, some other picks I wanted to add in real quick. I like Navy and the points this weekend. They're giving seven and a half to Navy. I don't care who Navy is. I don't care who Army is during the regular season. Those games usually come down to like one possession, and they're given a possession and a and a half point hook. I think that's free, oh, dude. That's yeah. free. That's the, free. The total. Another interesting fact about this game is that the total has gone under fifteen times in a row. It's only thirty four this week, dude. That's why they've had to keep putting it lower every year, and it's still yeah. It Navy. So when the total's thirty four, and you're getting seven and a half go with the dog every time for sure easy uh, i would take navy i like cool. doing the fan duel or draft kings for this game it's like the crap you shoot. just pick like who the yeah you just pick like the fullback pick the army quarterback for sure because he usually runs more than the navy one and then pick the navy fullback <laughs> <laughs> so we're all gonna have the same lineup is what you're saying hopefully it's snowing I don't know, if it's not snowing, it's kind of a snooze fest. But <laughs> snooze fest anyway. It's a great game to sleep to, though. Just like the same thing over okay. and over. Little, no, a little Saturday afternoon nap. I think it's on at like three p.m. normally. Yeah, it's yeah, three I mean, p.m. You're not popping some wings on the grill and you know, down in shots of no. Army Navy. Take a uh, you'll hit a little golf in the morning. Get home, have some lunch. Turn on the game, take an afternoon snooze, wake up during the fourth quarter, and hope your teams win them. So, uh, all right, next up, we're going to do our Fab Five Otis Anderson game moments. It's awesome that we have so many to pick from from him that like stood out. I mean, this was probably like the quickest list I've ever come up with because there was just one after another that stood out to us. So, Moo, do you want to lead it off? All right, so the first one is one of my favorites. I'm, I'm going to go with his Otis punt return for a touchdown against Pitt where he had a couple of really awesome jukes and then his, like, pirouette spin move that somehow stayed on his feet for us to take the lead being down 21 nothing on the road to Kenny Pitt. Heisman hopeful Kenny Pickett and uh wasn't he like directing the traffic kind of too yeah a little point yeah like hey get that guy well, I don't you wouldn't have known because you weren't there I was at the bar watching it <laughs> yeah so you left me by myself in the seats but luckily there was a couple UCF fans fans around me 
and uh, we all started jumping up and down, like going crazy. One of the greatest comebacks that we lost. Like, if we had just (laughs) won that game, that would have been one of the greatest comebacks ever. The way they won it, too, man. The pit special. Yeah, in our end zone. And it was wet, and like, dude, the guy, the the pass by Pickett was so bad, and it was so low. It could have easily been dropped, tipped. It was a duck, but they caught it fourth down, and yeah, the rest is history. So good for them. Um, all right. Uh, number two, Otis Anderson memory. I gotta go with the screen pass in the Peach Bowl. Um, it was an awesome play. I think we took. Did we take the? We took the lead with that. Yeah, we took the lead. Back from Auburn. Um, so they throw the pass to Otis, and he like gets bottled up kind of by the goal line. And then Jordan Johnson comes, like pushes him in. Then Jordan Johnson jumps on his own teammate, and then the camera cuts to me. So a little, little, little bias there on that, but that was me getting on ESPN, which was pretty cool. But that was just an awesome play overall. Awesome game. And, I mean, you know, like I said earlier, he – had an impact on every game he played and he just didn't get garbage time I mean he had touches in every game I think but one and I think it was the FCS game too and then they used him in the Peach Bowl I mean he he stepped up on the biggest stage and scored a touchdown and I mean when you think about that 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 had to been the coolest feeling ever for him I mean it was cool for all of us it was cool for all the players but like you got to think you're one year removed from just high school and you just scored in the freaking Peach Bowl against Auburn that's incredible. Um, so that's one of my favorite memories of him. And he was a freshman that year, right? Yeah, he was a freshman. Yeah, so like him and still watching that game, the like seeing him and Gabe Davis <laughs> both as freshmen. Oh, and I know. Like getting able to play and yeah. actually make an impact in that game was was pretty crazy when you think about it. And then you know, see you see Traquan Smith who. You know, he's been in the NFL. He's catching touchdowns from Drew Brees, who's already retired. <laughs> kind of brings everything like full circle. So it's pretty cool that like also goes to show you that you're not in the NFL for very long. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, that was a all time greatest game ever. Hopefully, it won't be for you know the greatest game will be our na- our national title. Yeah, victory, but playoff victory. for now it will, it will do. So we're going on to the next one. I'm gonna pick the FAU game 2019, I believe. Has a couple of funny stories uh, about the game, but I'll get to that in a second. So I believe it was a draw play on this play where he was running wide open in the middle, two defenders to beat, and. I know this used to be my wallpaper on my phone for a while, and it probably still is for most, for some of you. Uh, he just put like the nastiest little one-two juke on this guy, and he went flying like twenty yards past him. It was and, bad. Uh, broke the ankles. It guy. was a real broke guy's ankles yeah, bad. Broken ankles terribly. So I, I just barely caught. Uh, it was the first play after getting back from uh, getting beer. Me, me and Jamal, <laughs> Jamal. Went, to get, went to get beer and we asked the lady like how many beers we can get for like our group and she said we can only buy like any other stadium in the world it's usually like 
maximum two per ID or something, but for some reason she said four. <laughs> so you guys are so, each quadruple. So fist. I had eight Coronas. There's probably like a hundred dollars, like going back up to the seats, and like that was the first play. I'll never forget it. That once we got back, it was a uh, yeah, I mean, one of his top five plays. It was awesome. Yeah, uh, just an unforgettable juke and ankle breaking to go along with it. Um, all right. Fourth one, got to go with the Memphis game. The peace sign on the deep ball uh, by DJ Mack that kind of sparked the comeback. And, you know, the unforgettable, picturesque moment of him flashing up the deuces going into the end zone. Um, do you remember what point in the game that was? I think we were still I think down. It was like late third quarter. And it was to take the lead. They're like every one of his touchdowns are like to take the lead. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's a theme. You but... know how easily that could have been intercepted if it Dude, was like one inch lower. It was so like none of this close. Would and two, if if he had thrown him in stride more, he wouldn't have been so wide open running into the end zone probably. Because the guy wouldn't have tried to cut it off and pick it, and he might not have ever done the peace sign on that play, which he did it on other plays. But that's just one of those ones where it's just ingrained in your head. No, dude, we were down. That was our first drive after the third quarter started. We were down 38-21 at halftime, and that touchdown with the Matthew Wright extra point put us down 10. So that was like just the beginning of the comeback. And then the rest was history. That that was an awesome game. Outscoring Memphis uh thirty-five to three in the second half. <laughs> um but a little For funny some strange reason I never thought we were gonna lose that game. Me either. That was the beginning of the we're fine, which has not panned out that well since then. Um but little funny thing, I asked him about that the peace sign thing uh, like way later. And I was like, dude, how did you like, what, what if you got like a taunting penalty or something? He's like, now nah. he's just like, you just got to do it quick. So the refs can't see, uh, <laughs> which I, I, I had no idea. Cause I actually at the time thought that, you know, maybe he could, but I guess if you don't hold it up and like throw it in their face, it's not a big deal, but that was awesome. And you know, obviously it's something he's going to be remembered forever for, and just like all these other plays, but the peace sign especially, just because it just made such a great picture, you know, especially with the whole crowd and everything. So uh, that's our fourth one. All right, Moo, you want to finish this off? Yeah, the last one by far, one of my favorite plays of all time, one of my favorite calls of all time is um, is screen pass touchdown uh, to basically seal it for the Knights. Um, 2017 Warren I-4 against USF. It was a, they called a screen, Scott Frost called a screen against the Blitz, and it was the perfect play. Uh, Otis had a ton of blockers in front of him, just had to weave in between some of the traffic. And, uh, the USF. you know, at the end of the, oh, God. At the end of the play, too, you know, since we added those cabanas, like, he went right up to the people in the cabanas. I always liked that about him too, is that he like he loved the fans so much. It's like after 
I think we talked to this guy too. Is that there was a guy in the Cabanas at the end of the peace sign play that Otis ran like so fast through the end zone and came up and like headbutted the guy on accident. <laughs> I know there's <laughs> Do you a remember this? I not that specifically, but I know there's a picture of him hugging Mike D after a touchdown. Because yeah, Mike D's tent cabana is right there in that same corner. But I don't know if that's the same play. Yeah, it was it was pretty special. And um you know, him and him and McCray too had such a good bond. They were such a great like one two punch. Even though like they were almost exactly the same size, they had like very different styles of play. Very different styles. Which is cool. Um Yeah, I miss those guys. Yeah, so that that was probably one of my all time favorite Otis plays right there is these were all great and I I don't think there's a way to pick any of them above any of the other ones they were all significant in their own way you know obviously four of them were in huge games the FAU game didn't really matter but it was just such a nasty juke uh they're all great and it I mean he was just such an electric player on the field he could do it in so many different ways from so many different positions catching the ball whether it's as a receiver, as a running back, draw plays, taking the handoff, returning punts. I mean, he just did it all. And then when you combine that on how amazing of a person he was off the field and, you know, how how much, just how infectious he was, his personality. I mean, it, he was a true, true fan favorite. And it's what makes this whole thing stink so much at the same time. But he will definitely always be remembered as one of the best ever, you know, do it for UCF. That was fun. Yeah, for sure. Reliving All some right, good so... memories. All right. <laughs> mailbag. All right. Last up, we've got Moose Mailbag, where we answer everyone's questions. Only question today is from Brian Peterson. With Lebby leaving Old Miss to go to Oklahoma, does DG decide to return to UCF? It's if so, do night fans welcome him back? Well, that's funny. We actually kind of already yeah. talked about. This. I know. I was, I was chuckling when but, you brought uh, that up because I'd seen the question already. Uh, I don't think they're gonna welcome him back. I don't think he's gonna come back. There's no yeah, way. I, I don't. I don't think he's gonna a... try to go to Tennessee and then compete for the job, and he may or may not get it. Well, I'm I think sure. I think Hooker's gonna go to the NFL, but we'll see. But. He's not coming back. If he did, would be a fun hypothetical exercise. Because I bet half the people that... All right, first of all, I bet a bunch of people would be like, no, we don't want him back. And then once he was back, they'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever. I mean, you know how people yeah. are. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the same reason sure. people were super mad about him leaving, half of it... I mean, yes, like, maybe he didn't leave the most graciously and that left a bad taste in your mouth. But half the people are just salty about him leaving and using all the other stuff as an excuse. Like... At the end of the day, could he have done stuff better? Yeah. But like, does it actually affect us? Not really. Like, it's the past is the past. And the reason so many people were upset, a lot of it had to do with, you know, the fact they didn't want him to leave. So uh, that would be funny. But it's never going to happen. So good question. Uh, I could- think he could end up looking at potentially being a USC or, you know, he – possibly could be looking at Hawaii. 
you, you know, it, I know Hawaii's quarterback just went into the transfer portal. That could be interesting. I think he wants more exposure, though. So I don't see him going anywhere that's not P5 and that's not a, a school that's set up to win right now. But we'll see what happens. We're not done with all this transferring stuff. So a lot still uh, that can happen. All right. Let's wrap this up. Uh, Moo, you got anything else? Yeah, a couple of quick things. Basketball, big win over Bethune-Cookman, 81-45. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at MoneyMooUCF. I didn't have a chance to reiterate it being a best bet, but if you saw the line was actually only 24. And when I put out the projected lines, the line that I had was, I believe, UCF minus 39. So... I didn't reiterate that that should have been a best bet, but make sure you save some of those numbers because a 15-point difference in my projected line and what the actual line is should definitely be a bettable game. So anyway, 81-45. Next game is going to be this Saturday against North Carolina A&T. It's actually the annual baby race, which I plan on uh, entering my daughter in next year for sure. We'll have to get Pobs. Oh, son in there next next year as well. Will he be ready? Can he race at age one or 11 months? It said all you have to do is not be able to walk. Oh, dude, so I could do that. Yeah, just crawl. <laughs> <laughs> so got a couple of other big games. Uh, we got Temple coming up and a game against Florida State, which we're actually playing in one of those little, like, uh, tournament games is actually going to be in sunrise over the florida panthers arena dude that's so quick we talked about this already i think yeah get there an hour um, and a half easy volleyball lost a heartbreaker to nationally ranked ucla who's actually still alive in the sweet 16 round currently three sets to two uh if you didn't get a chance to see any games this year make sure to get espn plus and probably you know everybody already has espn plus but if you didn't know sometimes it takes a little while to like sort through all the games because it's not like the greatest app ever but um the the games are actually really exciting like i watched the game against pepperdine um mckenna melville who has decided to come back for her senior year she is insane it's like yeah it, it, she, I don't really understand like the positions yet, but it seems like they just she's like the killer. Yeah, I don't think that's like <laughs> the correct term, but no, <laughs> she's the slammer. She's the she's, like, the she's the OJ. Yeah, she just like every time the ball comes over to our side, it's like she's looking to kill it. Yeah, on, on the other side. Well, so. they can kind of set you up from anywhere on the court. I know they rotate. I think. There's a there's a libero. Do they still do that? It's like a free substitution. I don't know. I don't know. Also, why is one person wearing like a different colored jersey? That's the libero. So what do they do? They can sub in and out freely because I think other position or like you only get a certain amount of substitutions, but the libero can come in and out. So I think they're like someone's gonna correct me because I'm gonna be way wrong. But the concept of what I'm saying is right. I think it's like. You have someone that's only really good at defense, so you just put them in for the libero when the other team's serving or something like that. 
I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I'm sure it could be explained in like two seconds by someone that actually knows what they're talking about. But yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, I don't really understand all the rules or anything. Um, but somehow I got sucked into that Pepperdine game. And uh, <laughs> yeah, all it, right. It was, it was pretty entertaining. They're a back row defensive specialist. So yeah, they just come into. Uh, they're an outstanding passer, so they they provide the setter. Oh, the setter that's a that's a position. A greater number of accurate, successful passes to run the offense. There you go. Makes sense. So it's kind of right. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, I wanted to talk about some of the other bowl games. You know, something interesting that I like to uh, keep track of is like the price of the bowl games. So. There's definitely a lot of the bowl games that are mostly, and I use like the get-in price, which is like the cheapest ticket you could get. Mm-hmm. Most of them are in the like twenty to forty dollar range. It's pretty solid, you know. If you're even if you're not a fan of the teams that are in a bowl game, like I remember, like we went to. Didn't you come with me to the Capital One Bowl one year? Michigan like State, Michigan State, Alabama. Yeah, like, yeah. We didn't care about the two teams. We actually had a pretty good time. Yep. That was Kirk Cousins versus Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. I think Le'Veon Bell was on. He was either a freshman or something. But anyway, uh, so yeah, it, it's actually a decent value even if you don't care about the teams. But the cheapest non-playoff bowl or I'm sorry, the most expensive non-playoff bowl get-in price is actually the Holiday Bowl, UCLA versus NC State. Kind of strange. Um, hmm. But $107 to get in there. Now, it's pretty interesting, the playoff games. I know that when we went to the Peach Bowl, I think the cheapest like nosebleed ticket was like 80 or 90 bucks, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um but for this year, the Georgia-Michigan game is exponentially large, more expensive uh, in the Orange Bowl. The cheapest get-in price for that game is about $572, whereas the Cincy-Bama game is only $118. So what, what are some of the reasons you think of why that is? Well, Michigan has never been in the playoff and hasn't been a national contender for quite a while. Georgia has only been in the playoff once. The destination's Miami. Uh, on the other hand, you've got Alabama, who's in it every year, who wins it almost every year. So even if you're a diehard Bama fan, you're probably thinking, especially with Cincinnati being a, over a two-touchdown favorite, you're probably thinking that I might as well just save the trip for the national championship. Anyway, you know, it's obviously not the first time in the playoff. And Cincinnati's the smallest out of the four fan bases, so... I do expect it to be a pretty heavy Cincy presence at the Cotton Bowl, but I think it's no surprise that the difference in ticket prices is what it is, especially when you consider, I mean, Dallas is nice, but it's not Miami, so. Yeah, and good for their fans, too, because, I mean, yeah, I don't want to see them win the whole thing because I'm selfish and I want us to be the best group of five team that ever lived, so. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Dang, am I, am I not rooting for them now? I hope they lose a close game because then it's like, yeah. okay, they deserve to be there, but they didn't actually do anything. So then we can make the Same argument as that last year, bro. Same as last year. Then we can they make, may have deserved to be there, but they didn't win. And then we could make the argument that 17 UCF could have beat 17 Bama. And there's nothing anyone can say anymore, even yeah, though there's not this nothing people can say. 
the close loss. This needs to happen. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, thinking about their whole schedule, like they didn't have to travel to UCF. They didn't have to travel for the conference for the conference championship game. You know, Notre Dame isn't that far from Cincy, I don't think. It's, yeah, it's Ohio. Probably, what, three, four-hour drive? I know nothing about Midwest or really anything outside of Florida <laughs> geography. I bet it's less than a six-hour drive, so. Wow, it's not that big. Anyway, they've had their money saved up. Four hours. Okay. S- yeah, South so... South Bend. Oh, South Bend's Indiana. Okay. <laughs> not Ohio. Yeah. Same thing, though. In Cincinnati. Well, you, yeah, I was talking about, I thought you were talking about Cincinnati. I didn't think you were talking about Notre Dame being in Ohio. They're the same. Dude, those <laughs> states are exactly the same. All the Midwest is just one state. You know, Pittsburgh's pretty much in Ohio. No. Yeah, it's like not even really Pennsylvania. It's crazy what you learn by yeah, looking at a we map. Went, we went there. Yeah, but I didn't drive. I mean, Do you just like get on a plane and like act like you just teleported somewhere? You have no idea where you are. All right, so I kind of do that sometimes. Like. I don't. I mean, I know Pittsburgh is like in interior Pennsylvania, but I never realized it's like almost in the in Ohio. Yeah, because I mean, unless unless you're on like a really small plane, like think about the flying experience. Okay, you walk into an airport like by your house. Then you like walk out of another airport, like somewhere else. It's kind of just like teleporting. Yeah, and I know especially the general if you don't have a window, especially if you don't have a window seat. Even if you do, you don't know exactly where you're going. I just kind of know the direction and distance I'm going, and I kind of know what's around that place if I'm there for a, a long period of time. But like we're in Pittsburgh for like thirty-two it hours. Even thirty. It was. Yeah, I was gonna say it wasn't even thirty-six hours. Yeah. So. Like, we barely left, like, a one-mile radius, I think, of our hotel. Yeah. Uh, but it was awesome. So Well, back to the Cincy game, though. The other crazy thing is is that, so, like, you may spend all this money on, like, where's the national championship at this year? That's a good question. Oh, it's in, uh... Is it the Sugar Bowl? No, at Lucas Oil Stadium. Indy. Oh, dude, that's perfect for them. Yeah. So I was going to say, because like it would suck to spend like all this money on a huge trip to Dallas. Like I'm sure the hotels are insane. You know, the flight's probably not cheap around Christmas, New Year's. And then you actually win. And then you got to spend even more money on the national championship. So like at the very least, they could maybe drive. Yeah. If they win. But eh, I mean, this happen. is once in a lifetime as a fan, though. Again, it's not yeah. like you're um, it's not like you're Alabama. Like, they might not ever be in this position again. So, I actually kind of want to go to Dallas. But, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Save I don't your feel money. Like, I don't feel like Buck it. Bucks Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Bucks Super Bowl. All right. Not going. <laughs> All right. You got anything else? No, that's it. Uh... Last thing, real quick the Rock'em Socks fundraiser socks just came in. They're awesome. Uh, shout out to them for putting together that awesome fundraiser. They sold 500 pairs of socks for Otis. Every penny went to, you know, the GoFundMe. So over $12,000 raised. And Night Nation that sold out. That is crazy. And Night Nation sold out the socks within like four hours of them releasing them. So super cool. Shout out to everyone at, at Rock'em. Uh, great guys. And, you know, they, they made this happen. Really, really cool thing. Yeah, that's it. Go to the bowl game. 
hit us up. We'll be there. It's going to be awesome. Even if you miss out on tickets, you can get them on resale. There's going to be people that want to buy better seats, selling theirs or whatnot. So there's no excuse not to go, guys. This is going to be so much fun regardless of the outcome. Can't wait to see you guys there. Cheapest get in price right now. They still have some fifteen dollar tickets, even on StubHub. Yeah, they have go there. Cheaper tickets. So sneak down to the lowers. You'll be fine. Just get there. I'll come see us at the game. It'll be close to Christmas. I'll have some gift cards to be Moo. given away. I, I, Santa Moo. Away. Santa Moo for the season. Um, or we could do like a super bowl game first score something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll think of some, but come find us. Anyway, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell a friend if you like us. Thanks again, and go Knights. Charge on. Don't make nature.